Jessica Libor, and I am an artist, educator, and curator. If you're an artist who wants to create an amazing and fulfilling career in life, this podcast is for you. I'll be sharing inspiration that has worked for me and art world insights and tips. My goal for this podcast is to help you feel in control of your art career and empowered to be the best artist that you can be. Hello, Lucas. Hey, Jess. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Thank you so much. Oh, yes. Thank you for um, thank you for being interviewed. I've admired your work for so long and I'm super happy to interview you. I think people are really going to enjoy this interview. And um, yeah, so I'm just going to um, for those of you who don't know Lucas, he um, he and I met at the Grand Central Atelier. I was taking classes there um, for a couple of years, and Lucas was there, and um, we just got to talking, and we we became friends. And Lucas is from Los Angeles, and um, he was educated at the Grand Central Atelier in New York, and received his BFA in painting at the Academy of Art University in San Francisco. His work explores the mystery of ontology and how it relates to the surroundings we share. He does with his contrast of traditional and contemporary paint handling, always in an attempt as to reflect past gifts and curiosities of the avant-garde. Lucas has exhibited in numerous group and juried exhibitions across the US and internationally, and a few honors and awards recently given to him was winning first place Portrait Society of America, annual members competition for non-commissioned portrait, best in show award for bold brush painting competition, and the purchase prize and best in show for the annual exhibition held at SCNY New York. His work has also been on the cover of American Art Collector magazine, as well as featured in Fine Art Connoisseur, Southwest Art, American Artists and International Artists Magazine, among other publications. Currently, Lucas is based in New York, although not for this interview, uh, where he works from his studio and travels regularly to to teach short-term workshops, both in the US and abroad. That about covers it. (laughs) And that's read just from your website. (laughs) So- um, (laughs) What'd you say? Um, that's a pretty big intro. Like, I'm like, oh, wow, I, I did all of that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you did. Um, and where are you calling from today? Uh, so I'm calling from Buenos Aires. I'm out here uh, visiting family. Mm-hmm. I live in Manhattan with my wife. Uh, mm-hmm. However, um, I'm from Los Angeles, lived there my whole life, but my, my family, everyone moved out at to Buenos Aires. So I, oh. I sort of call Buenos Aires more of my home now. Mm-hmm. Uh, all my family's here. Oh, uh, then, cool. Yeah, but but I'm I'm I still be, feel more Californian than New York. So I'm okay. kind of <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you grew up in California. Yeah. So I was I was born and raised in Los Angeles. Uh, my whole life, I wanted to be a painter. Um, I, been, I, I went to Italy to visit some, some family out there once, and they have one of my drawings from when I was three years old and was oh telling them that I wanted to be a painter. 
uh, yeah, as this like little baby. And then um, by the time I was seven, I was already starting to take my first nude figure drawing classes in Los Wait, Angeles. <laughs> yeah. Where but do my, they let kids my, do that? <laughs> yeah. My, my mom had to sign like a waiver because uh, <laughs> I wasn't 18 yet. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, eight years older to be doing something like that. And so at seven, I was, I was uh, already taking new figure drawing classes. I was doing um, like little master copies in elementary school. Mm -hmm. And I, I, uh, I ended up getting suspended for doing a Leonardo da Vinci master copy. And my, and then my mom came like to defend me and say like, he's very serious about this. And mm -hmm. so I then I ended up not getting suspended um, Wait, because- why would they yeah. suspend you? Because you were supposed to do like math problems or something? There was there was nudity in the Leonardo da Vinci master copy. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Yeah. So believe it or not, over that, I was gonna I was in the process of getting suspended and like my mom literally came to the school and just mm -hmm. kind of fought them off and said, he takes this very serious. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um and and around this time I was I was about seven years old, and I I had been acting in in films as an extra in Los Angeles, like in Hollywood, just just doing little things here and there. And um, my last film was uh, as a little kid was with Tom Cruise, uh, a movie called Magnolia. But I was just the extra in the background. Um, oh my gosh, I had no idea about that with you <laughs> seven years old and um and I I was this I was an extra in this film and then uh I I was talking with Tom Cruise and he gave me a piece of gum to chew on mm -hmm. and um, and I remember just like like oh yeah this is normal mm -hmm. and and my just being like you shouldn't have put that piece of gum in your mouth <laughs> you should have kept it as a souvenir <laughs> but I was like, what like I was just a little kid, like you know, mm -hmm. with uh, all these acting opportunities. But then, uh, believe it or not, um, that same year, I I quit acting and said that it's distracting me from being a painter. At seven years so, old. At seven years old. So I've always just been like, that's that's it. Like I I always had tried different things. Mm -hmm. Like even as a teenager, I tried different things, but I just always went back to just strictly just saying mm -hmm. I'm a painter. Mm -hmm. and, and so by the time I was a teenager I was taking classes in Pasadena Art Center mm -hmm. um weekend classes like just in a college to get mm -hmm. some like, new, like some figurative practice mm -hmm. in and stuff like that um but it wasn't until after as as many people uh as this happens with many people that after you go um and graduate high school like you have to be out in the real world and kind of decide what you're doing. So it wasn't yeah. until then that I kind of officially said, okay, I'm gonna really focus on this. And so I moved to Italy. I um, I was going to a school called Lorenzo de Medici mm -hmm. in Italy, in Florence. And then um, after that semester, I did a semester in Buenos Aires here. Mm -hmm. and And then I, I just went full force in Academy of Art University in San Francisco for almost five years. Wow. Where I was just strictly just kind of dedicated in the practice of 
of painting. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like uh, the, the timeline mm -hmm. of, of me just really trying to de develop technique. And I think what what's very important about um, art universities, which is maybe harder to find than ateliers, is uh, also having that kind of well-rounded education of the art world mm -hmm. and different styles and subject matter and, and stuff like that. And so mm -hmm. during this time, I was taking a lot of different like art business classes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And um, and so at uh, at like around 10, 13 was when I, I just said like, that's it. I'm just gonna only be full time. Um, I was working um, in a furniture store for uh, about half a year. Mm -hmm. And I said, I, I have to just have this st stability mm -hmm. or I have to figure out to just like quit it all and, and take the risk and try mm -hmm. to live off of my painting. So I ended up taking that, <laughs> which is uh, all like taking the leap is always not um, easy at first. And uh, so I, I ended up downsizing to like mm -hmm. a very small um, kind of studio in San Francisco and, where um, I was close to school. You and I did that. Uh, what was that? Oh, how old were you when you decided to um, to do that? Like go all in yeah so I was 22 years old okay mm -hmm. 22 years old when I just said that's it like I'm just gonna live off my paintings and find a way to make that work mm -hmm. um I am a bit of a black and white person a bit of an extremist and mm -hmm. so the way that I thought that that would work was also some it was a decision that really kind of affected me I, like mentally because I was living in this place where it was just these tiny studio apartments and uh, it was full of um, people that were homeless at one point or had gone to prison at one point. Oh um, like, mm -hmm. yeah, not like narco trafficking, like all sorts of different crazy things that people were doing there. And I was just telling myself, you know what, like you're just here to sleep. Like mm -hmm. you're just gonna paint all day and just be there to sleep. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was never there during the day. I would, I would just go there um, late at night, get my like six hours of sleep and then right back to painting in the studio. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this was in, uh, this was just one block from the Transamerica Pyramid in the downtown of San Francisco. Okay. So I always made the joke if I were to run to safety from all these crazy people, like I would just run out of my apartment and be surrounded by a bunch of rich people with suitcases heading to their okay. like, <laughs> job. So <laughs> it's usually back, right? Um, but yeah, I, I felt I felt very... Uh, safe outside my home let's <laughs> um okay. but yeah I guess that was just kind of the way that that I made it I made it work for for the being was um mm -hmm. was getting connected with galleries by by going to openings and talking with the curators and and um and just having that that kind of work ethic where 
I was, I was only just kind of using my place as a place to sleep, but then during the day, just really hard at work. Um, I guess also the nice thing was that this university offered me the opportunity to um, have my homework be a gallery work. So mm. whatever I would for the classes mm-hmm. had the destination of going to the gallery. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and right now in my final year, because uh, I haven't graduated yet, I'm in Grand Central Atelier at the moment, in my final year, um, I am kind of feeling th- those kinds of pressures where at the moment, everything I'm producing is more of, uh, they're just studies. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, at the art university, it gives you this kind of setting where everything you produce has potential to make it into a gallery. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's uh, there, there's a beauty in it mm-hmm. because of the folks. And there's also uh, the fact that you, I, you know, I have to kind of live these two different lifestyles and also um, be a gallery painter outside of school. Cause it, so it kind of gives me uh, mm-hmm. a, a lot of work on my hands, but it's, it's well worth the work since the focus is um, figurative and academic and it really allows me to kind of reestablish yeah. my foundations. But, so um yeah. thank you for all that. So that um so that was in San Francisco. And um a couple questions about your time there. So did are you like the first artist in your family? Like where do you think that you got the bug for art? Well, my dad, he was an architect. My mom had like a little school where um they would have like summer camp that it was like summer art camp. And mm-hmm. so uh, I feel that I got it from them definitely and they always encouraged it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have that kind of typical story where I went against my parents and okay. like didn't want to be an actor or something like that. I, it was just always that, um, that they were like, you want to try maybe different things associated with art? And I would just be like, no, I'm just a painter. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so I just always ignored it. Too, but um, but they always encouraged me to just keep pursuing painting. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, and then I have another question that I know that the audience is going to want to hear. People listening. So, when you were 22 and you decided, okay, I'm going to strictly live off of my art. Um, so, and you, did you have a plan, or were you just kind of like? I'm just going to see how this works and try to sell from my studio and also work with galleries or were you like, I'm just going to work with galleries? Uh, At the moment, I was only thinking of galleries Mm -hmm. and that was because back then in 2013, I didn't have a developed Instagram or social media or, or, um, even my website was just a blog back then. It mm-hmm. wasn't like an actual website. So I was uh, heavily invested in just figuring out how to sell through galleries. Mm-hmm. And so I applied to a show called the 50-50 show where you had you have to make 50 paintings in 50 days. Whoa. And they're just by sixes. Mm-hmm. I know it was a, a lot of work. And at the same time, I had um, I had two two shows lined up 
uh, with the gallery there called Studio Gallery. So I was um, making a painting for Studio Gallery. And at the same time, I had to do 50 paintings in 50 days. And so I would be going kind of back and forth, like putting a lot of work into into a couple paintings for um, a couple shows uh, that I, I I got just from kind of being active and and mm -hmm. talking with the um, with the guys and and seeing how I could get more involved in the art in San Francisco mm -hmm. and um, and then the other one was just online that I had found this show and um, it was out in Pacifica and so. I was kind of going back and forth. And so if I were to paint like, you know, two days on, on a big painting, then I had to spend one full day doing three little paintings because I felt behind on the, on the 50, 50 right. show. And so it was like this kind of, um, it was, I would think of it as like a positive feedback loop where I was very motivated um, on doing these shows. Mm -hmm. um, because I had a deadline to work up up towards, okay. and it and I to choose subject matter that I really loved. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Um, and then I know that artists will. Also, I think this will be helpful for them to hear from you as well. Do you have a story for like what was the first gallery that you got? that you started working with and how did that happen for you? And then secondly, what advice would you give for artists during COVID-19 who want to seek gallery representation if they can't mingle at art events? Yeah, so my first gallery, I, I guess if I were to rewind a little bit, it wasn't even a gallery, it was just a cafe okay. in Los Angeles was like my kind of actual thing um and so I just put up my paintings all over this cafe in Los Angeles and it was a lot of hard work I didn't think anything was going to come out of it but then I ended up selling six paintings wow and I said oh, wow, this is a thing I can actually um you know kind of live off of this maybe mm -hmm. and that was while I was still working um, for like this furniture store. So mm -hmm. that was in 2012. Mm -hmm. And then um, and then in at 2013, that's when I I got to work with this official gallery named named Studio Gallery. Mm -hmm. And that, um, that gallery, I still I still work with them. They're mm -hmm. really friendly and I think extremely important to work with um, curators and gallery owners where they're just extremely uh, friendly and warm and and mean no no harm because there's definitely galleries out there that um, that tend to kind of mm -hmm. abuse their art like take advantage of their artists yeah and um, much so like a relationship where you just have to um, have trust mm -hmm. between each other. Mm -hmm. it's in good, you know, good hands when you give the work to them. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, the, the first official one was this uh, gallery called Studio Gallery. And, um, uh, and if I were to say anything about selling during the pandemic, mm -hmm. um, is that at this moment in time, while everyone is 
has their back turned on their on the art world because of fear or some uh, anxieties with selling work or or getting there in person or uh, etc. Um, this is the time that you really have to be trying to get into the art world. And it seems kind of counterintuitive, but um, this is really the moment in time that uh, gallery owners are actually paying attention to the emails that they're receiving um, mm -hmm. or even small chats from a, a social distanced opening. Mm -hmm. uh, really attention to the artists and they want to really hear what you have to say. Whereas before they, they would just kind of, um, just kind of ignore every email that would come their way. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, what I would say right now is this, you like take advantage of the fact that people are paying attention right now, mm -hmm. uh, because it's the market, the art market is really on your side in this moment in time. Yeah, you know, that's something that I've noticed too. So I hosted a virtual exhibition this year and it went so much better than I ever thought that it could have because everyone is online so much more these days. And and you have, you have so much more control over your audience, also how you present yourself, you know, online and stuff. Um, so if you really think about it and like really go after whatever you want, then, um, you know, it's possible. And I, I, I think that you're right with like, there's less competition right now. I think that there's less competition for um, those gatekeepers in the art world. Whereas before so much was happening like all the time that they would just get really overwhelmed and like not be able to respond to all these people. But now, um, for instance, like I just, got into this residency and I've applied to lots of residencies and I haven't gotten in, but I just got into a residency. And I think part of it may be like, you know, the competition is not quite so high because, you know, people aren't thinking about expanding during this time. And I think if you, it's like investing, like you're actually supposed to invest when the market's really down. And then if you do that, then your, you know, your stocks and bonds will like skyrocket you'll you'll be able to you know get more for your money you will say um but the art world i think is the same if you really you know start pushing now you'll be able to see much more returns because the competition is lower what do you think yeah i mean i hate to to say it this way but the the most success i've had in my career was during the pandemic really um yeah, and it's because of this reason. I just kind of I just had this hunch like, oh, this is the time that people are going to be online and mm -hmm. that I should invest more in selling my own work. Mm -hmm. And so um, I ended up moving out of, um, of Long Island City. I was living in Long Island City to be just one block from mm -hmm. the, the school I went to. But now, now, you know, I'm living in Manhattan and um, I got to move on May 1st and I, I, you know, I, I tripled my storage. I have a painting studio for the first time in my life. Mm. Um, it's just kind of all mine and I'm so excited about it. And it, and it was, again, 
this um this you know kind of view on the whole thing that we should be taking the risk when uh, when no one else is willing to take it because they are kind of holding back during this period like like you mentioned mm -hmm. um and and so um I got a lot of sales uh, through Instagram, through um, uh, collectors that I was just, um, you know, talking with personally. Mm -hmm. And I was also really involved in um, in doing commissions more than I normally am. But it mm -hmm. seemed like, I guess, being in your house in quarantine and looking at the empty wall. Yeah. Um, I guess it's the it's the time to do commissions because they're just looking at the empty wall and just reaching out more more so than usual mm -hmm. yeah so uh, so really this this is the moment for growth just like you said it's the moment to to invest in yourself and um mm -hmm. and so yeah it uh, i i had i had made probably more this year than i ever had um off of painting that's awesome uh, just reason yeah and I'll have and I have to say it's the same for me which um which is crazy but and you could say you could say that it's just like all the work that you've done throughout the years is maybe starting to really come to fruition as well um so it, it could just be like the perfect storm yeah. but um so let's go back to your time in um California so you finished up your degree there and then what brought about you moving to the East Coast? Yeah, so I moved out of San Francisco and I didn't go straight to the East Coast. I ended up uh, moving to Aspen, Colorado for almost a year um, because my my wife actually got a, a J1 visa for Aspen, Colorado, but it was very difficult for the East Coast or the West Coast. Um, oh. <laughs> so uh, so we ended up, yeah, it was just out of convenience, I guess, um, mm -hmm. that, that she moved to Aspen, Colorado. I moved there too. And during this time, um, I always like to say that there's multiple streams of income that come from painting, mm -hmm. that it's not just about... Uh, selling work through a gallery. It's about um, selling work through social media or uh, yes, of course there's galleries, but also there's prints, there's small works, there's commissions, um, there's like, you know, teaching sessions online, doing competitions. There's just all these different ways that you can get income through painting. And so when I moved to Aspen, Colorado, I said, okay, I'm basically in the middle of the forest here. Um, how am I going to uh, mold the way I, I make money off of painting? And, um, and I decided to uh, focus on prints. So I was actually living off of prints for half a year oh, wow. in Aspen, Colorado. Hmm. Yeah. And it was basically only prints, believe it or not, mm -hmm. um, that I was living. I, I found uh, a really good um, uh, guy that prints for, um, he, he prints for the museum of Aspen. Mm -hmm. So I knew his prints were very good quality because of that reason. And so I was working with him and, and selling 
my prints at a fraction of the cost of the originals, but they were so high quality that um, that the collectors were very excited to receive them. So I yeah, for half a year I was living off of prints, and then um, and then I lived like about a month off of an art competition that I had won, and then um, and then I and then I ended up getting uh, like a, a few sales. But during that time, it was pretty stagnant. Mm -hmm. um, and th that's around the time that I, I went to um, to New York and I, I started um, school at Grand Central Atelier, mm -hmm. like literally the day that I got up. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it was such a fantastic um, community at school mm -hmm. because just, the amount of focus it, that has gone into just technique, uh, I felt like I was getting the missing link from what I didn't get in art university, mm -hmm. um, where I was thin just all throughout. Mm -hmm. I felt that finally I'm just focusing on one thing and really trying to get good at it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I kind of went off on a tangent just now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that exp that explains like why you decided to go there. So um, so that's really cool and. How did you like the East Coast as compared to the West Coast? I feel like both are very different from one another in aesthetic. Like the, the, the West Coast, probably, probably because of the surroundings, the paintings tend to be more colorful mm -hmm. and um, slightly more on the surface, not so, not so uh, deep and thought provoking. Mm -hmm. um, a little bit more on the surface, I feel. Uh, in the East Coast, it, it might be um, the the culture, the weather, like all these different factors that kind of go into the paintings, but um, it does feel like it provokes a little bit more of maybe a, a narrative, and that narrative can, can sometimes be more serene, um, mm -hmm. and, and the colors aren't so... Um, so hyped up, like mm -hmm. on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. uh, I definitely love both places, and um, and the, like the the friends I have on the West Coast and on the East Coast, like I I feel like all the stereotypes had just vanished for me. Where mm -hmm. people say like they're so serious on the on the East Coast, um, and uh, like like it's such an aggressive culture or something like that um but i i really don't find that to be true at all uh mm -hmm. is and and that that stereotype actually just kind of the moment i even like the moment i got to new york the stereotype left because mm -hmm. the moment i got to new york like i was just struggling with some luggage on the stairs and and a new yorker was like let me help you with these bags and i was like okay okay <laughs> the stereotype <laughs> True. It was like from day one, I was like, the stereotype's not, you know, the stereotype's not true. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I actually, I've had the same experience in New York. Like, I feel like New Yorkers are very, very kind, very nice. Whenever you stop someone on the street, they're always like happy to help you, you know, if you need directions or something. Um, yeah, I, I live in Philadelphia right now, and I feel like New York is actually friendlier than Philadelphia. <laughs> but um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm a fan. I think it's I think it's an awesome place. So um, 
Yeah, and then I wanted to talk a little bit about your work ethic. So from, you know, with all the people who are watching this now, um, you know of Lucas or you're just being introduced to Lucas. He is very accomplished as a painter technically, but, and he's also um, starting to really be recognized by all these different um, contests and he's won a lot of prizes. He's exhibiting all these different places. So um, people see all the wins, but I would love to hear from you um, what your usual schedule is as a working artist and how many hours per day you know, you, you're working on painting per week do you think that you're working on painting? Um, yeah, so if you could just walk us through like kind of the work that goes into being a painter professionally. Yeah, so, so my day starts off, uh, you know, 8.30 to 12.30, I'm working on a, on a figure at school and then one to five, I'm working on another figure. So every single day I'm working with figures from life at school. And then uh, when I get out at five, I go home, um, you know, eat dinner real quick, but then I just immediately go to painting for a couple hours. And then I teach on, on Zoom for a couple hours uh, a few times a week. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Wait, yeah, so day, how is there enough hours in the day? <laughs> yeah. the, the day is really jam-packed, uh, but but this is really the way that I have to, um, you know, keep the system going because if I don't do the couple hours every day of painting at home, I don't have the gallery shows that I have every month. And so um, the gallery shows don't come from the studies that I'm doing oh. because academic um, kind of, you know, traditional nudes. And, and those are just only with the thoughts of technique. Mm -hmm. Not that they don't sell, they, they sell very well on, on Instagram. Um, but when I'm reaching a market um, with a higher uh, price bracket, and, and I'm doing gallery works um, for maybe like a show in Chelsea, New York or something like that. I, I'm working on very large scale paintings um, that are in, a, in, in my own style, uh, maybe a little looser. And, and so I, I like to say that, that I am kind of living these two different lives where I'm an academic painter all day and then at night I'm, uh, I'm just really pursuing what my voice is, who am I as a painter, mm. and um, going to galleries that fit that aesthetic specifically. Mm. Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll either uh, have a Zoom session with, um, with a student internationally. That's been going on for a few years. Uh, not, it hasn't been just because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, for some odd reason, I just really like uh, being able to paint and then just be like, oh, in five minutes I have to teach <laughs> rather yeah. than having to come somewhere or something like that. Um, so that's just yeah, been, yeah. and also you get to meet all these uh, like fun people from different countries mm -hmm. like Australia, Zealand, Singapore, London, like you're just spending time with these interesting people that have like their own different thoughts about painting and mm -hmm. they want completely different things uh like 
you know, maybe they're doing abstraction or maybe they're doing something very realistic and yeah. everyone, you know, is different. Um, and um, I would say that, believe it or not, at some point during the day, I do have to invest about an hour into our business. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so it's not really so much about technique. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's about art, like how much you're investing into our business. So what does that uh, mean for you? So what that means for me is that every Thursday, I make sure that my schedule is empty after I get out of school so that I can go to at least three or four openings in, in Manhattan and, and get to talk with different collectors and gallery owners, curators, um, really get to socialize. Even during the pandemic, I'm doing that and, and it is more like social distanced, but, um, but there's always a way. Now people, instead of exchanging cards, they're exchanging Instagram handles and stuff like that at a distance. And, um, and then during the week, what I'm doing is I'm uh, contacting galleries. I'm uh, applying to art competitions, magazines, uh, all sorts of things. Um, and then I'm also doing about, I would say on average, about three openings a month. And um, it, and these openings are before because I was very much so transitioning from the West Coast to the East Coast. Mm -hmm. I was having okay. different paintings out almost once a week. Mm -hmm. And now I kind of reduced that number to more like maybe once every few months. So I'm really just showing in the East Coast lately. Mm -hmm. um, but Probably the most important thing for me to say is that uh, I am really thinking of this as, as a numbers game, as something that has to do with quantity. Mm -hmm. So if I apply to, I don't know, something like 45 galleries, I'm mm -hmm. probably going to expect one yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and these galleries, I want them to really have something about them that resonates with my work. And I want it to be that, that I'm the right fit. And so finding them and, um, and, and understanding how I'm gonna be the right fit and expressing that to them, um, that takes uh, the majority of my time when I'm working on art business. Um, so, so I would say like, I probably don't send any more than just about like four or five emails a week. Um, yeah, because yeah. you want it to be personalized. Uh, personalized, yeah. Okay, so that is so helpful for artists listening because I think that there's a misconception in for artists that if you just get good enough, everything will come to you. Like all the galleries will be knocking down your door. People will just like, give you money people will just give you like um everything like um like you literally won't have to apply to anything um you'll just like make amazing work and just like people will like um just hail you as the the king of painting and <laughs> and you won't have to like apply to anything um i've just i've i've known so many artists who have that um that kind of attitude especially if you know 
they've been doing it a while, let's say that they're like maybe getting close to 30 and they've really dedicated their life to art. Um, I've, I've found that artists can get a bit like jaded, like, well, you know, I've put in my time and, you know, if, if they don't recognize it, then that's their fault, you know, but, um, but actually, I think that what I really admire about how, how you're doing things is you're staying really humble and you're really, you're taking your ego out of it, it seems. Would you, would that be fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, and I absolutely also don't take anything personal. Mm -hmm. So, um, in fact, whenever I get a rejection letter, it really makes my day because it means that I actually got a rejection letter rather than uh, just have in the back of my head, oh, did they respond yet? And and just being, you know, really um, kind of anxious about a, a response. And and so if I if I am constantly getting ignored, and then all of a sudden I get a rejection letter, and they say, oh, you know we love your work, um, but right now we're not accepting painters. I'll be like, oh my gosh, like this super prestigious gallery mm -hmm. that sells paintings for like hundreds of thousands of dollars said that they love my work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, like, I'm so happy that I got this rejection letter. And and um, so, it, but maybe that would torture someone, you know, like, oh my gosh, I got this rejection letter and they just feel horrible. Mm -hmm. um, I really think that, if you just keep yourself out of it and you just think of your own work objectively mm -hmm. and say like, this is just part of being a painter, mm -hmm. um, you can just really start being way more active and, um, and, and applying to things that you would never even think of that you could get into and work your way up to actually getting into those things. Yeah. So it is, yeah yeah it's like just keeping your head down and okay I didn't I did a um I just remembered I did a uh I recorded a podcast about this concept of being your own advocate so like almost like when you're doing the part where you're like reaching out to galleries and doing all this stuff almost pretending like you're just representing the artist like you're you have to like remove yourself from like the artist part of you like you're just representing the artist right now and um, you have to think of yourself as like, if this person was my client, how would I take care of them? You know what I mean? So that's really cool. Uh, yeah. And that also goes hand in hand with, uh, with technique. It's, it's kind of like, um, like as you're painting and you look, you're looking at your own paintings, eventually at some point you invite the editor in to mm -hmm. kind of critique like this work mm -hmm. and, um, kind of like a writer that's hard at work in in like his or her office and then all of a sudden the editor comes in and um we don't want the editor to always come in because then they would just be like blabbing in our ear about <laughs> grammar corrections and stuff like that but if you invite the editor at the right time then you can look at your work objectively and really uh something forward and i feel like the the same thing is true with art business it's kind of like if you're if you're just constantly just going at it Mm -hmm. um almost this naive kind of way where you're not just being hypercritical and taking everything personal then I feel like as you're going for it if you get a rejection letter or something like that um 
you can only just think of it as being something positive and um and and inviting the editor at the right time to, mm -hmm. to just look at everything objectively and just say well you know we have to do this this and that but you're going the right direction mm -hmm. um it keeps you kind of in check yes yeah. yes that's so good i love that analogy so good um okay so what are you working on these days? What are you excited about that you're working on? So at the moment, I'm developing a series called The Forest. Mm. And it has to do with uh, beauty and chaos. And I've always lived in the city. So I always have felt like this chaotic feeling of the, of the city. But mm -hmm. then also, like as you you know, capture so beautifully in your work, um, like the interpretation of the forest. So it's, I, I'm thinking of like the clash between those two uh, as being contrasting elements in my work and and the feeling about them both clashing uh, just like creates these kind of splashes of uh, color and interpretation that that helps me kind of mold my uh, my new series. So. At the moment, I completed the first painting that's literally called The Forest, and it's um, 40 by 60 inches. So it's, I believe it's the largest work I've ever done, actually. Um, yeah, so so that's that's one that I just finished. And, and so I'm just working towards another another few. Um, something that uh, that reminds me of is a lot of the time artists ask me, um, you know, what is the right number to submit to galleries? And I would say one is the right number because really? they're always thinking, yeah, like uh, there's so many artists out there that are, that are thinking, oh, you know, I'm gonna make a ton of paintings and then the ton of paintings is gonna make me good enough to then do 10 paintings for this body of work that I'm gonna submit to the, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, can you just submit right now? to the gallery that you wanna get into mm -hmm. because you might get surprised that that gallery will say yes. And mm -hmm. it might not be the first gallery that you submit to. Like I said earlier, it may take several attempts, but um, if you keep thinking about the mentality of, oh, I'll just do that tomorrow, it's, mm -hmm. it's probably not gonna happen. We mm -hmm. have to uh, transition and, and mature both in painting and in and in our business, um, mm -hmm. kind of together, and and just doing one but putting off the other mm -hmm. is usually leads artists down the the rabbit hole of need, needing stability in something that isn't art related at all, um, yeah. which is not. Sometimes that really works for painters because they have the they have the opportunity to kind of um, take a rest from painting and just. Uh, really focus on painting and focus on their job kind of separately and they like having that in their life. Uh, I'm more of like the type of person that is just trying to make it all work together. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great, yeah, that's a great point as well. Hmm. Um, so the forest, that sounds really cool. I can't wait to see those paintings. That sounds amazing. Um, yeah, that's so cool. And um, is that going to be like a solo show, or are you just what? what a, do you have like a big unveiling planned? 
Right. So I do have um, I do have a gallery in Chelsea that I'm working with. Uh, I'm very excited that we are planning something out for the future that's going to be a solo show, but mm -hmm. nothing is in in the plans yet. So no no name dropping yet. Okay. But um yeah, but the works are going to be uh, large scale paintings. Uh, some are going to be uh, like multi-figure, others mm -hmm. are going to be still life. Before I moved to New York, I was mainly just known as a, a still life painter. And um, and so, so now I am trying to kind of be half-half, like I'm trying mm -hmm. to go in both directions together. Mm -hmm. I really, I really um, love doing both. Yeah, your still lives are really interesting. You seem to make the the objects really have a lot of personality, which I really love. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, um, is there anything else that you would like to tell artists who are maybe in school right now or just finished up school about, you know, wondering about how to take the next steps in the art world? Any words of wisdom? Um, I would say that what I would like to contribute is um, is to go after something that is the deepest version of yourself and just look for that depth through painting, um, you know, because that's the way you really find it. Uh, when we just say, okay, like I'm, I'm gonna be doing these paintings and I'm gonna be going for these paintings, but there's something else that's bearing inside of me that I can't let out. I think that that cannot be ignored and you have to let it out. Mm -hmm. And I hear things in a atelier like setting all the time. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, uh, there's this series that I'm thinking of doing and I'm gonna, you know, put it off for the summer. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. Like, if you have that buried inside of you, you have to go deep into yourself and really uh, discover what that is now. Mm -hmm. um, and, and even if that means just an hour a day or, or mm -hmm. half an hour of some exploration, mm -hmm. that's really uh, what other people are gonna want to see. Mm -hmm. No matter what the technical level is, they want that to see so that. That is so true, yes. Um, because sometimes you see a work and it can just be like, a few lines on a paper. And it, there's something about like the spark of that work that's so, um, that's so it, it just really touches you or it really reflects the artist so well. Um, and I think that inspiration like that, like when it really comes from the heart like that, no matter the person's technical ability, it like has the capacity to reach other people, you know? Um, and I think that's what art's all about, you know? Yeah, 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 um, yeah, and and I really get that from your work too. The 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 narrative, and like that that kind of profound feeling um, really comes from. And also, I feel like you you are part of your paintings oh. very much so. <laughs> uh, and I and I saw a video that you did the other day also that was really yeah. lovely. Yeah, wow, that was like, funny. So I am. Um... <laughs> I live, I'll tell you a secret. I, so I live um, 
in Philadelphia in like row homes, but like we're, we're across from like a state park. And so like we, you know, we had just had the snow and like everyone's out there like walking their dogs and like shoveling things. And I'm out there in this like, you know, in this big white dress and like this like, um, you know, this red cape that was like made from a tablecloth. And I'm like, you know, walking around in this and like filming, <laughs> people are just like laughing and staring at me. <laughs> but I didn't care. I wanted to, I wanted to like capture it. So, um, but yes, art yeah. comes in all forms and you just, you, you just gotta follow your intuition and like express yourself, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It like, so, so much came to mind when I saw that I was like, wow, it's, it's, it's everything. It's, it's, it's what you're wearing, what you wear. It's, it could be installation. It could be video. It could be painting. And it's just like, every kind of comes together and I'm like yeah this is this is uh just as an artist like <laughs> Thank everything you, yeah I can like like this is you and this is your work and like yeah your work is beautiful thank so, you thank you yeah, yeah I want to make more videos I think they're really fun and creative and very like active too like a lot of painting is like you know you're sitting still or you're standing still for a long time and um well, you did the acting as well, but um, acting is something different and it's, it's interesting to me as well. It's just another art form. So, um, so it's, it's cool, but all right. Well, I, I love everything that you said. I think it's going to be so helpful for people as well. Um, and, and um, as we end, where can people find you and where can people buy your work and follow you and everything? Yeah, so my website is just lucasbononi.com. And then my handle is lucasbononiart mm -hmm. um, on Instagram. So on, on Instagram, I, I tend to uh, sell my work the most, but my website is more like my, my portfolio. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, so, and I will put those in the show notes um, in the links below. For you guys to go follow him you can get on his mailing list and stay updated and um you know get his works before they're a million dollars before he hits that mark um and yeah thank you so much lucas and i will look forward to catching up sometime in new york when this um you know hopefully blows over yeah definitely okay, all right well, thanks so much thank you all right bye 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 Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed listening, it would mean so much to me if you would give it a five-star rating. In fact, if you screenshot your rating and send it to me on Instagram at Visionary Artist Salon or at Jessica Libor Studio, I will give you a shout out as a thank you. I also wanted to let you know that I've created a gift for you from my heart that I'm so excited to share with you. It is a free guide called 30 Days to 3K, the definitive guide to authentically increase your art sales. In this 15-page guide, I share how I've created amazing results in selling my art online while retaining the worth of my art and feeling authentic. I'm sharing the process that has worked to get the results for me. All you have to do to get it is go to my coaching website, www.thevisionaryartistsalon.com and enter your email and it'll be delivered right to your inbox. I hope it brings you so much value and let me know how it works for you. Thanks again for listening and I will talk to you soon. 
Remember that you are already worthy and everything you make is an expression of your unique spirit. Now go forth and create.